0: Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk Notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. I don't know if in your time, if you were ever in science class or anything like that, if you remember a guy named Ivan Pavlov, And and probably you don't maybe you don't know Ivan you know he's he's Russian he was he was actually the first Russian to receive uh, the Nobel Prize uh, for medicine and and maybe you don't know the name Ivan Pavlov but maybe what you do remember is hearing about the kind of the experiment of Pavlov's dogs and and that experiment it's a classic experiment right where he he would feed these dogs. And, and what, he, what he found as he was doing it was that if he, like, rang a, a buzzer uh, when he fed them, when he would ring the buzzer, they, they would start salivating. Now, what's, what's interesting about that is he wasn't th- there to learn that. What he actually was, that Pavlov was a, a medical doctor, and that's actually with digestive system, and that's where he won his Nobel Prize, and the reason why he was doing this in the first place was to find the role of saliva in digestion. And so what he did with these dogs is he, he had them uh, so he could measure the amount of saliva that was secreted when they, when they were eating. And so what happened is he, he had them and he, and he had these gauges. And at first they noticed, just when they brought an empty dish out, And they're like, wow, we we didn't even put the food out yet. And they're already drooling all over the place. And for many of you who have dogs, you're like, I knew that. Uh, I knew it when it gets close to feeding time. And slowly what, what they did is, is, as they did that, they, they found it was when they uh, got the dish out or maybe it was even sometimes when they started walking into the room, the dogs started getting excited knowing it was feeding time. Then they, they used the, the buzzer and they realized, oh my gosh, this is, this is a thing. And, and so really as we look at Pavlov, he was, he was trying to find out things about digestion and really what he found out were, were classical things about conditioned behavior. And, it, and it's not only in, in dogs, but it's for people too. Another part of this that, that he found that's just as important is as he would hit the buzzer, the dogs would salivate, he would feed them, and, and they got used to that. He also did another experiment, and that is he started hitting the buzzer and not feeding them. And what happened is for a while they would salivate, but after a period of time, even when he hit the buzzer, that after he didn't feed them for a while, they stopped salivating and they they stopped associating that noise with the food that they were about or not about to get. This is important. This is important because this is about learned behavior. And, and how we can see that and, and see how we can learn in certain settings and, and how different stimulus can affect us. The reason why this is important for us in our discussion as we go through breakthrough is this. In our last Financial Peace University class, one of the things caught my attention that Dave Ramsey said, and, and what he said was, we are all Lab rats. You are a lab rat and, and you are in this laboratory where people who do advertising see what type of stimulus they need to use in order to, in order to get you to do a certain response. And, and so there are techniques that are used and, and you don't even realize that it's happening to you. Do you realize that in a day, the average person in the United States sees 3,000 advertisements in a day. And right now, that, that if I were to ask you, have you seen any ads today, you would say no. Well, maybe some of you would say yes, maybe you're watching TV. But if you drove into the, the campus here, you've seen at least 10 crosswalk advertisements whether it be the signs on the street, the sign right where you pull in, the tent, uh, at the cafe, the program, all of that, those are advertising. And, and, and we do that so that people will know about Crosswalk and hopefully as they see the sign uh, and have an invitation or, or maybe something from the internet, all of those different things that they might come. But it also, it, so there's a positive to it, but there also can be a negative, And this is what we found out, is that as we've done part of our breakthrough series, okay, so part of the breakthrough series is the Financial Peace University classes. 293 people from the community and from our church have signed up for this class. The total amount of indebtedness per person, well, the total amount of of indebtedness is just over $4 million uh, of debt. And, And as you look at per individual, that comes in the neighborhood of eleven dollars to $12,000 per person. So if you're a couple, that's like probably you're closer to $25,000, $25,000. And, and so we've looked at that, and one of the things that we've identified is that these different stimulus from the outside, credit card advertising, uh, 90 days, same as cash, uh, putting things on payments, all of that are ways that we as a society react and respond to finances. But here's the good news. And this is what we found, as Pavlov found, and that is behavior can be learned and it can be unlearned. That, that when, it's, when it is identified, that once we are able to put things together on why they happen, we are able to make changes and, and we can move forward. And that's why as you look through the breakthrough, the reason kind of why we have that picture, it's that picture of a maze and, and it's kind of that maze made me think of the lab rat idea, the, the mouse looking for the cheese and, and being taught to go through the, the different uh, uh, places it needs to, to go to get what it wants. But someone said to me, and this is so true, they, they're, they're not big Dave Ramsey fans, which is fine. And, and they told me that they they don't like it because it is, uh, that really all it is is telling you to pay down your debt and save money, which is actually very true. But our Breakthrough Campaign is not a Financial Peace University Dave Ramsey thing. That is a a small portion of it, especially for people who struggle in the areas of budgeting and saving. And, and so we're, we're helping in that way. But I, I'm here to tell you today that our breakthrough campaign is spiritual in nature. That what Crosswalk has to offer in this area of breakthrough is not getting you out of debt. That is not the best thing Crosswalk can do for you. It might be a way that we can help serve and help you to be more generous. But if we are going to truly break through that this is more about where we end up financially and more about where we end up eternally. And that is why faith is such a big portion of this in our relationship with God and, and, and Christ's relationship with us. So I encourage you today as we, we look into this portion, we're gonna be looking at two totally different opposite ends of the spectrum in, in the Bible today, two different situations, but, but we can learn from both of them about What we have in Jesus Christ and how in our lives, that that spiritual component is how God truly helps us break through. We're going to start by looking at Philippians 4, verses 10 to 13. Philippians 4, verses 10 to 13. And just, I will tell you before I begin, this is the positive example, okay? We're going to start with. And this is the Apostle Paul is writing these words. It's called the book of Philippians. And it's the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to a church in a city named Philippi. So Philippians are people who live in Philippi. So, so he's writing to them. And Paul is writing from the city of Rome. So uh, that if this was, a, you know, he, he wrote the letter, the return address would have been prison in Rome, because that's where Paul was. He was in jail, uh, waiting uh, in trial to see, uh, ultimately, Caesar. And he's writing these words now to the, to the uh, church that was in the city of Philippi. And this is towards the end of what he wrote. He said, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Now, it, so what happened here is, Uh, the Philippians sent a care package to Paul. Uh, You got to remember at this time, when you were in prison at this time, they would not feed you. So if you were put in prison and no one brought you food, you would starve to death. And, And then you would have a death sentence basically that no one would come and take care of you. The government did not supply you food. That's not the way it worked. And so what happened is Paul was at least somewhat reliant on people to bring him things so that he would have something to eat. So they sent him a care package, and so they sent him things to help him, and the other part is they, it had to be delivered, and so there was also encouragement of, of people there to see him. Okay, I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And as you look at that, that is the, the Apostle Paul really at a, he, he's gotten to a place in his life where he's, he's good with where he's at. And, and he, he's able to look back and reflect and say, you know what? I've had some incredibly good times. That, that I, I just really had a lot and God bless me. And, and now I'm in a situation where maybe I don't have that much. But what I found is I'm sick of living my life like this. Because of the circumstances. That if the circumstances are good, I'm happy. And when the circumstances are, are bad, then I'm sad. Or you know what? Sometimes there's people who no matter what the circumstances are unhappy. Maybe you've met them too. <laughs> Anyways... Uh, Let's fill in the blank. Paul had what everyone wants, and that is contentment. That at the end of the day, at the end of the day, when you look at what we're looking for, contentment is it. This is one of the questions I would ask kids when they were in seventh and eighth grade in my class, and I would ask them, which would you rather have? A million dollars or a promise from God that you'll have everything you need? And you know what every kid in the room took? Million dollars. I'll take the million dollars. And then I'd be so awesome. And, uh, and, and it's just going, my goodness, I got some work with these kids. Who are your parents? What are they teaching you? <laughs> but when we look at this, there, there's that, that concept of that you don't get these big eyes when, when, when you talk about money or things or stuff. But no matter what the circumstances that we get to a place where you are content. And as I was looking, one of the definitions, and my favorite, is what is contentment? The definition you can put next to that is soul rest. I'm just good. That, that I'm just like, I'm, I'm good. Now, if that sounds like something you want, and it does to me, and it is what I want, and it's what God wants for you as well, What I'm going to do is take you now to a place that is the polar opposite to help you understand it better. And where we're going is we're going to Numbers 21, starting with verse 4 and 5. This is the children of Israel. They remember that they were in Egypt. So this is about maybe 1,500 years earlier. The children of Israel were in Egypt. You have the time of the 10 plagues, the Passover. They leave Egypt. They go into the wilderness, Okay, they're at Mount Sinai. They get the Ten Commandments. Then they go to the promised land. This is like within a year. They're at the promised land. God says, send spies in and, and see, uh, see this land. The spies come back. They say, the land is awesome, but the people there are huge. Their armies are huge. The cities are well fortified. There's no way. They're, they'll crush us. And God was upset. And he said, you know what? I told you I was going to give you this land. I was going to fight for you. So now as a punishment and as a learning opportunity, you are going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And everyone who's 20 years old or older is going to die in the wilderness and will never step foot in that promised land. And so the the march went for 40 years. Where we are at here is at year about 38. I mean, they're there. They they know it's coming soon. And actually what what had happened is they got to a point where where God told them, go up to the promised land and what I want you to do is I want you to go through Edom, but I don't want you to fight them because they are not your your enemy And, and this is not a land that I've given to you. I've given it to them. So go to Edom, tell the king, we are asking permission to walk through your land. If we take any water, we'll buy it. If, if anything happens to one of your animals, we'll pay for it. Just let us go through. And the king of Edom said, no. And so God told Moses to tell the people, turn around. We're going the long way. And this is, this is what happened. They traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. Those Edomites, again, won't let us go through. So now we got to go all the way around. But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread. There is no water. And we detest this miserable food. Oh, All right. So so as you you look at these people now, what's happening is they're growing impatient. Maybe you are that way, I am that way. I don't know what's worse, being in a car that's leading or being in the car that's following where you're going somewhere and the person in front has to pull into a driveway, back out and head the other way. That is an indication you don't know where you are going. So I don't do that. I go around the whole block just so we can get a little bit. Of, yeah, I just wanted to show you some of the things downtown Phoenix. had uh, noticed those buildings. But about the third time you, you round the block, they're on to you, okay? That they're like, wow, I didn't realize there were three Walgreens. That's the same one, right? And so you're doing that, and and there comes a time when you're like, you don't know where you're going. I'm done. I am done following. That's in a car. Now I want you to imagine that you're going up a trail on South Mountain. And someone's showing you the way, and I, I think specifically of a time, I know this happened to a friend of mine, where they were going up the Mormon, Mormon Trail. If you've ever been up there, it takes about maybe a half an hour at a halfway decent pace to get up there. And then you go through Hidden Valley, at Fat Man's Pass, if you've ever gone in there, anyone who does any hiking, that you can do that hike easily, I would say, in an hour and a half, tops. So when, when you do that and someone's going to take you to Hidden Valley and you're three hours in, um, I think at some point, whether they say it or not, they don't know where they are. And they might say, yeah, we're on South Mountain. I know where I'm at. And, and then you start thinking about this going, this, this is horrible because now I'm tired and I'm thirsty and I don't know if we have enough water, food, and it, it just becomes an issue. That's where this impatience has come. This has happened for 38 years. After 38 years of following Moses, maybe Moses doesn't know where he's going. And so with this impatience, they're impatient with Moses and by connection with God. And now we have some serious issues and here's why. Maybe you remember in 1 Corinthians 13 when it talks about love, the love chapter of the Bible. Love is, the first thing love is, is patient. So when you tell me you're impatient, I, this is saying the people of, of Israel grew unloving. They did not love Moses and they did not love God. Follow me here. How do you summarize the 10 commandments? Love the Lord, the, your God, with all your heart, and with all your soul and with all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. This is a huge issue. This is a huge issue. Their love relationship with God is broken because all of the problems in their life were God's fault. Unhappy with all the circumstances. These are the circumstances that are making me unhappy. Unhappy with God and those who are leading. In the blank, you can write, impatience makes me identify the wrong source of the problems in my life. When that happens, when I'm not getting what I want, when expectations are not being met, here's where the issue is. Now, just to put this in perspective again, as a church body, let's look at it this way. Crosswalk right now is, is in the process of purchasing land for a building, and then we'd like to buy a building, and, or build a building. The good news I have for you is we have set a date 27 years from now when we're going to break ground. Uh, in 27 years when we have the money, uh, we will be able to do that and we will have the building. I guarantee you if, if next week Jeff's going to talk about it, but anyways, the, uh, that you, will, you would probably say Jeff may or may not know what he's doing and God may or may not know what he's doing. Now, the first might be true. (laughs) Just kidding. And he's not here today. But the the second is not true. God knows what he's doing completely. Completely. And what's going on here is over this time period, they have not learned the one lesson that God sent out for them to learn, which is he he does know what he's doing. We continue. What is the source of the problem? Jeremiah 17 verse 9 hints at it the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? At the heart of their problem was their heart. That, that, that they did not want to follow God. They did not want to follow Moses, the one God had put in his place. And now they, they didn't realize that the source of their problems was their hearts. So what happened? Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them, but they, uh, they bit the people and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, we sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. God showed them how blessed they were by removing his blessing from them for just a moment and when that blessing was taken away and the venomous snakes came in these people realized that that they had an issue and the issue was more than not liking manna not liking the food that they got in and, and as we look at we can maybe even understand where they're coming from right if i had to eat the same thing for 40 years i don't like eating the same thing two meals in a row And so we look at that and say, you know, what is going on here? And God shows them how spoiled they are and how blessed they are by removing that blessing, letting the snakes come in, and the the people have realized, God has kept me alive. God has given me life. And what they realized is the source of their their impatience was their own sin, their own expectation, the fact that in their lives they were self-serving and that they needed to be waiting and patient. In the blank, you can write, venomous snakes help the people identify the sin problem that they had in their hearts. That sin problem in their hearts. We continue. Then the Lord said to Moses, make a snake and put it on a pole anytime anyone who is bitten uh, can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it on a pole. Then when anyone who was bitten by a, a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. This one, this story, I'm telling you, I've known this story since I was a child. It was just one that was part of the regular routine of what we learned. That I looked at, I'm like, man, this is pretty severe, man. They just said they were unhappy with food and they got bit by snakes. You know, I won't complain about peanut butter and jelly to mom anymore. But, it, but this, this section is ultimately connected to that first story. And this is it. In the blank you can write, the Lord was teaching the people to trust him completely, to trust him completely by looking at the snake and embracing his promise. That is why this is such a severe story, 38 years into wandering in the desert. Wandering through the desert, they had one lesson to learn, one. And that lesson was, trust me completely. And now as we look at this, when they're just about to go into the promised land, that the one lesson they were there to learn, they didn't learn at all. And so this is what we call a crash course, that you have got to understand that you are going to get chewed up and spit out in this promised land if you do not trust me. And so this isn't an issue about food or or leadership or anything else. This is a, a, a message of faith that for everything in our lives, that God does know what he's doing. God knows what is going on in your life. And even though it's not something you necessarily like, it's serving his purpose because the same purpose is true of your life. I have news for you. As much as you might want to think differently, well, you know this, we live in a desert. But not just literally. Figuratively, we are in the desert And we will be until the day that we die. This is not our home. This is not where God wants you comfortable. You have one lesson to learn in your life. And that is trust God completely. And so what happens in life is is on a regular basis, notice, do you notice what happened here? The snakes did not leave. The people continued to get bitten by snakes, but they did not die. That's the part of this that, that's so interesting to me is that they would bit, they, Who know, we don't know, five, six times a day. I'm forced, I got bit. I got to go run back and look at the bronze snake so that I live and embrace God's promise. And there were other people that were bit who were like, forget that. I don't think that's going to work who died. And you looked at that and it's like, oh my goodness, it's right there. All you need to do is look and believe. Is it any wonder that as we look at the words of Jesus, the next one, John three fourteen and 15, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness so that the son of man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life in him. Jesus is the bronze snake. The bronze snake is Jesus, however you want to look at it. But do you, do you see what, what the, the cross of Jesus Christ is all about and how this, this story that seems kind of irrelevant and old from the Old Testament is, it points us directly to Christ. Because there is something that you have realized that I realize as well. And that is in life, even when you are a Christian, venomous snakes bite you. And I I don't mean literally, although maybe literally they could. But I'm I'm talking figuratively. We get bit by sin in our lives constantly. And and as you look at that, the, the desire might be in your life for the snakes to go away. And I'm telling you, this side of heaven, they're not. And there's a reason why. Because God is trying to teach you a message. And that is... Trust me completely. And so maybe as these issues of life come at you, as you have these frustrations, these uncertainties, this impatient, not wanting it to be the way it is, wishing it was another way, blaming other people as a source of the problems in your life, that maybe instead of blaming the snakes, that just maybe for a moment that you realize that the source of the pain is not coming from outside, but from inside. That it comes from a heart that is full of sin that God recognizes, and there is one way, one way that we learn, and that is to beat that sinful nature down through, through the punishment of sin. And in the midst of it, God raises up Jesus Christ for us to look at not once, not twice, to look at daily, every time we we feel the the pain of sin, every time we feel the venom of sin, the bite of sin, that we go to Christ again and again and again because there's a lesson being taught and that is trust me completely with everything. We continue. I think I said the blank. Uh, Jesus was lifted up on a cross Jesus was lifted up on a cross to counteract the venom of sin. Trusting is where my contentment journey begins. That's that's just so you know, this this is like the big aha moment. I thought I had a money problem. I thought I had a spending problem, and maybe I do. But I have a trusting problem first and foremost. Now we go back to where we started. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Does this kind of, do you see how this comes around now? When, when we look at the message that God was trying to teach the children of Israel, in the life of Paul, we see, I, I hate to say a graduate because none of us are graduates. The, the, we graduate this school when God takes us to be with him in heaven. But, but when you look at him, that the, uh, that to imagine the children of Israel being like him, how different that journey would have been. Lord, you, you give us more than we deserve. You lead us and, and you give us, we, and we do this, don't we? we? We pray to the Lord, Lord, give us today our daily bread. And my goodness, if, if that's what he gave you, you would freak out. You would. Think about that. Think about that just from a standpoint of in your food budget, that for every person once a week you got one loaf of bread, and because I'm generous, I'm going to throw in uh, a container of Jif, uh, just to, just a little peanut butter, just to make it go down easier, right? We don't want that. We don't want our daily bread. And yet we prayed for it earlier. Paul had gotten to a place where he was beaten to within an inch of his life. This guy's life was such a, oh my goodness, when when you read through it, there are chapters of the things that happened to him simply because of his relationship with Jesus. And every time he was beaten down, what did, it, what did it accomplish? In an effort for Satan maybe to try to get him to turn from God, it had the exact opposite effect. Every time he felt the venom, he looked to the cross. He looked to Jesus Christ, the bronze serpent, the, the one with, attached with the promise of God. And he received strength to go forward another day. In the blank, you can write, contentment is not about amount, but attitude. When I have Jesus, I have everything. Our message series is entitled Breakthrough. And there is a portion of our Breakthrough campaign which has been an effort to give tools to people who really can improve in areas of budgeting and and debt reduction and saving. But I am telling you, that is 10% of the breakthrough campaign. That as we look at it, and as we think about, again, the breakthrough that is being made, that I pray that for you today, that that the beginning, that this breakthrough is starting to take place, because the breaking through is not something you do. Breaking through is what Christ has done for you. And on a day like today, when, when we go back to the message Trusting Christ completely. Trusting God completely. That's the point of it. It's, it's, it's the point of breakthrough. It, it's the point of this section in scripture. This does not happen overnight. This is a lifelong journey that it's my privilege to be able to take with you. It's our privilege to be able to take this together. And, and I, I pray that you find the, the secret to contentment because it's right there in, for, in front of us. And it's Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you that we oh, have a breakthrough through Christ. And, and these two lessons, man, I just love them. I, and when they're put together, they help us see so clearly the difference between living not trusting you in misery and, and living in complete trust with you and finding contentment and joy in everything that you are for us. Thank you for these gifts of grace and mercy and forgiveness. Thank you for the fact that we have our identity as children of God that were bought with the blood of Jesus, that at any time in our lives, when we feel the bite of sin or the pain of living in a sinful world, that you are a glance away as we look at the cross of Jesus. Now, Lord, help us to look there uh, regularly, to do it often and to see the wonderful love that you have shown for us in Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. So, before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk, or to listen to other messages, head over to CrosswalkPhoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Caesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. As often happens in life, the most important lessons we need to learn are oftentimes the hardest. And, and as you look at this lesson, this takes a lifetime to learn. And especially if it's something where you are just getting started, uh the, it is painful, no two ways about it, but it is so essential. And, and it's, the beauty of it is, is that as you do this, what you find is that Jesus is worthy of your trust, that he is truly trustworthy. And so trusting him completely is something as the Holy Spirit works in us, that man, it is just something of beauty to see in the life of a Christian. And it's my prayer and will continue to be for you. And now as you go, go with the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. Lord, look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen.